Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will and Jerry, the Kings are 3-3, three and three, so all things considered, and I'm sure we'll talk about it today, things are going pretty good. Pretty good. Well, he's a former uh, Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, the uh, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, and the true pride of French League. Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, I say it every two weeks because I mean it. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How's it going? Well, I say it every week, too, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, as Tony said, uh, you know, Kingsland is uh, it's a little more positive than it was. I'll tell you that. Well, I want to get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, the Kings are sitting at 500 with three wins and three losses, uh, beating the Blazers, Suns, and Pelicans, uh, and dropping games to the Jazz, Warriors, and Mavericks. Um, before we get into any real uh, nitty gritty and the emerging storylines or specific causes for anything, Jerry, Tony, let's hear your initial thoughts on the start of the season. Well, certainly my thought is that, uh, you know, anytime you can, you know, certainly so early, you don't know much of anything, but you had a reason to believe that Portland's a playoff team, Phoenix a playoff team, uh, certainly Dallas, Utah, Golden State, uh, you know, all playoff type kind of teams. And so you've had a terrific schedule. You went on the road and here you are three and three. I think that's terrific. I, I didn't honestly didn't anticipate the, you know, the win against the New Orleans Pelicans that, you know, they're not any good right now. They're just not any good. So, but it's on the road. And so you even have to feel good about that. Tony. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where if you had told me, you know, hey, Tony, you can have the Kings be three and three after the first six games, I would take that 100% of the time because the schedule looks so tough. And then you sort of drill down to how some of the guys are playing. And then there's there's also some real reasons to be a little bit frustrated when you see, you know, you, you would think that a three and three record meant De'Aaron Fox was having a great year and Tyrese Halliburton was having a great year. But it's really been the veterans who have led this team to victory. And I'm certainly not complaining wins are wins, but I think that dynamic is something that... uh I guess I wouldn't have thought was possible for this team to be three and three and have some of their better players really not, not playing their best ball right now. I think that's a good point. I think in the macro, if we zoom out far enough, it's like, Oh, Kings are three and three. Everything's great. And then the further you zoom in, you start yeah. seeing these little problems and you zoom in a little bit further and go, Oh, it's all problems. How do they even, how do they win a single game with De'Aaron Fox playing the way he's playing and Tyrese Halberton, the way he's struggling. And then you have to zoom out a little bit. And it, Kings fans are getting a little bit of whiplash right now because the Kings might not be as good as their record indicates, but they also had a chance to have a record much better than what they have right now. So I want to get one of these from each of you. Uh, what's something that stood out good and bad uh, to you at the start of the season? Jerry, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, there's, there's two, I mean, there's certainly the defense is better. Mm -hmm. The defense is better. Uh, it's still a work in progress. And, uh, so, so I like that. I, I like the fact that the team does compete, uh, you know, I think better. I mean, other than the first quarter against Dallas, I think they've really, really been ready to play most of the time. So that and then individually, I mean, Harrison Barnes, uh, in fact, I, I was <laughs> telling somebody the other day on, on a podcast, I said, in my mind, he's playing better now than any small forward in Sacramento Kings history. That includes Paige and Ron Artest and Eddie Johnson, who I think would be the top three small forwards in the history of the franchise. And uh, but none of them, none of them played as good as he's playing right today. Hope I can say that at the end of the year. And then uh, Rashawn Holmes, what an underrated player! What an underrated player! I, I, I'm, I've been on this, you know, people talking about what he's worth and this, that, and the other. Hey, they got the best deal in America on that guy. Yep. And uh, and, and like I say, they can, you know, people say, well, he's undersized here. He's blah, blah, blah. Hey, he's highly productive. He's by far the best center in the league at guarding wings in a league that is a wing league. <laughs> and, and if so, uh, you know, you know, kind of put that in your old pipe by golly. Yes. Uh, 
Yes, he's not going to block shots like Rudy Gobert, but he can damn sure go out and guard guys that Rudy wouldn't have a chance to guard. 100% on that. And if it gets towards a playoff race or if the Kings, uh, you know, knock on wood, could make the playoffs, he might be just as valuable as Rudy Gobert's in the playoffs where he can't get played off the floor like a Rudy would, you know, when they switch out on the perimeter. Rashawn's going to be there. He's going to be playing those 35 minutes a night in the playoffs. Yeah, and he's such a good scorer and free throw shooter. You know, I mean, the guy – the guy, the guy is really good. I mean, I think he, he, he suffers from the fact that he's not supposed to be real good. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, really, and people it takes a while for a guy who wasn't supposed to be good to get credit for being really good. And uh, so anyway, but we got, but uh, to Monty's credit, he's got him. And that, that, that to me, that's, that's he and uh, Harrison have been just terrific. Just to throw out some benchmarks here, uh, Rashawn this season is averaging uh, 16 points, 10 and a half rebounds, um, a block and a half a game, and his uh, field goal percentage is in the 70s. He's at 70.4%, and he's shooting 94% from the line um, at just under three free throws a game. So pretty damn good to start the season for Rashawn Holmes. Sure is. Tony, Let's. I want to hear a couple of positives from you to start this season. Well, Jerry took the two players that were that I think were clearly playing the best. And uh, to Jerry's point on Harrison Barnes, I was uh, looking up these numbers heading into the Dallas game. So these don't include the Dallas, the, the Mavericks game. But Harrison Barnes is not only playing really well, he's number one in the NBA among all small forwards in points per hundred shot attempts, 97th percentile and effective field goal percentage, number one among all qualifying forwards in three point percentage. So it's not that he's like, Cause I always, I always uh, context things like, Oh, he's having a great, like Harrison Barnes year, or he's having the best start of a year for his career. And it's like, no, he's actually having the best season so far of basically any wing in the NBA. And I don't expect that to be the case forever, but just to put some additional context, how good he's playing. And then also the, the part that gives me hope about Harrison Barnes. And that's why I will also kind of steal this as a positive for myself, even though Jerry mentioned it is that I don't think this is that much by accident because Luke Walton wanted Harrison Barnes to start taking more shots. That was something they worked on in training camp was getting Harrison Barnes to be a bigger part of the offense. And we're seeing him do that and do it very well. So I I might feel differently if it was like Terrence Davis, for example, who I mentioned in the last podcast, leading the team in scoring in the preseason that didn't translate because the Kings really, I mean, that wasn't supposed to translate. That was just a weird thing that happened where I think this Harrison Barnes run, it's not some weird thing that just happened. I think the Kings are making a conscious effort to have Harrison Barnes be a more featured offensive player. And he's coming through better than anyone could have, could have expected. So I'll take Harrison Barnes as my positive too. And I don't know if we want to get into the negatives yet, but I guess you could say Terrence Davis and some of the rest of these bench players have just not, not had the same uh, production they did in the preseason. And especially Terrence Davis, they're just getting nothing from him right now. And it's, it has been a hole off the bench. Yeah. Uh, just to go back to your Harrison Barnes point for a second. I, I think you're right that this feels more sustainable than just like a, an offensive explosion in the yeah. middle of the season somewhere that, uh, you know, they said that they wanted him to shoot eight three pointers a game or something like that coming into the season. And he's, he's attempting uh, just over seven. So they're getting him that kind of stuff. He uh, he's averaging 10 rebounds, which feels incredibly high for Harrison. Uh, that 23 points. I wouldn't be surprised if it ticks down a little bit in the, you know, as, as the season wears on, but Harrison's problem for me has always been that he just goes invisible. He'll go through a, a couple of stretches where he'll have six or seven points or, or, or 10 or 12 points, and then he'll kick in another 18, 19 point game. And I didn't know if that was the offense necessarily. I don't know if that was De'Aaron Fox or some of the guards not feeding him enough, but this, this start for Harrison Barnes has been, has blown me away in terms of somebody who always is a little incredulous to Harrison Barnes. And it's, it's been really nice to see from him. Um, to your point about uh, Terrence Davis, Jerry, I'm curious as what your thoughts are on on how Davis has started his career where, or his his season, where we'd hoped he might be the next scorer off the bench. You know, now it seems like he might be playing himself out of the rotation altogether. Yeah, you know, he honestly he's just been totally ineffective, like Tony said. And uh, I was one of those people thought that uh, you know he deserved minutes and and would be productive, and you could count on him. But at, at some point here, and I don't know when that is, but a few more games like he's been playing and you got to get him out of there. And, and I don't know who come gets those minutes, but I would almost suggest that you try to uh, get 
get the existing guards more minutes, you know, just, you know, just make sure that Betty's getting more and, and Davion's getting more. Uh, but, and, and you really, I mean, it's not like you have to play Terrence Davis, you know, you've got enough guys mm-hmm. to play and, and divvy up the minutes. So, so that, yeah, he's certainly uh, been a, you know, very disappointing. Uh, and, you know, and I know he's a better player and he's playing, but at some point you got to go in what you're seeing. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on uh, Mo Harkless a little bit too. He's somebody who, as a starter, he's only averaging 22 uh, minutes a game. But to me, he seems uh, and this is something we kind of talked about. Can we? Can the Kings sustain having Mo Harkless as a starting power forward? And right now, he's averaging less than four points a game. He's shooting 35% from the field and and less than 17% from three. Jerry, is this something that you can you can play a whole season with? Mo Harkless as your starting power forward and hope to make a play in or a playoff game, or do the Kings need to make uh, some sort of adjustment there? Well, I don't think they can uh, unless Fox and Halliburton play much better than they're playing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really, I mean, I think you can have a basically a non-productive offensive player, um, but the key word is you can have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And uh, so, so I think that, you know, and I, I, I certainly understand Luke's position. It's nice to have a guy who's going to go out there. And he's, a, he's an okay, to, a little better than average defender, I think. It's not like he's a stopper, but but a unselfish guy. But you need you need to get your scoring, and the scoring is down a little bit. And, and he's a big reason, you know, because he, he – and he's not going to score a lot. I mean, you know that. He's, he can maybe do more. But I, I put it more on uh, Fox and – Halliburton, the guys who have the ball and and have a and get a lot of shots or get quite a few shots in Fox's case. Let's uh let's get in a little bit here to uh to kind of the big problems of the season, Jerry, that you're alluding to, and that that really is Fox struggling, just kind of in all facets of the game right now. I'm curious to your thoughts on that, Jerry, and what you might do if you were a, a coach to uh to try to alleviate those pains or to fix it all together. Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I obviously have thought about it because you you know. You watch it, and he does not look like the same player, to be honest. Uh, I was never convinced, and, and maybe, and I hope I will be convinced, that the extra weight would be good for him. Uh, I really don't see the uh, the same quickness that, that I saw before. You know, the leg speed might be the same, but the quickness. And, uh, boy, that's a big part. I always say the kind of the, the old John Wooden theory, you know, the single most important thing is a, a quickness advantage. <laughs> and I and I and I think that I've always thought that to be true. And uh, so so it's it's a concern now. You know, is that why his production is down? I don't know. You know, he's certainly not making shots. You know, and he's turning the ball over at a much higher rate uh, than than we've seen. If I'm a, if I'm Luke, probably I, I try not to dwell on it much and make sure he's getting his minutes and try to encourage him. Just try to encourage him. Say, you know, just be a little more selective, you know, uh, quit, uh, quit thinking you can go in there and jump into defenders and, and, you know, and get calls. You know, I know our broadcast team thinks every time, you know, there's every time there's contact, you're supposed to have a foul call. Well, it, 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 it this is the NBA. It's not uh, junior high school. And uh, most of the time they're not fouls in today's game. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I mean, I just think he's turning down some 10, 15-foot jumpers that would be high percentage, uh, you know, try not to, 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 you know, be very selective in your threes. I would just talk about those things. till you get it going, be very selective. You don't need to shoot seven or eight threes, you know. Get into the mid-range and, and get more 12, 15-footers. Uh, don't worry about drawing fouls. Worry about making baskets, easy baskets. Tony, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. What I see with Fox is a couple of things. One is he seems to be falling in love with the three-point shot, and it's almost to the point where like he's determined to prove that the people telling him to stop shooting are wrong. And maybe that's like the narrative that I'm putting on it, but he just is relentlessly pulling up from three in some clutch situations at times too, where it's like, Fox, you're a smart player. Like I don't know why you're taking some of these pull-up threes that you are. That is the biggest reason why his numbers look so poor. Um, his two-point shooting percentage is down as well. But if you're shooting 17% uh, 
on uh, what is it? Almost six threes a game. Your field goal percentage is going to look much worse than it did the year before. I mean, how many players in the NBA again, early season. So the numbers are kind of skewed, but what NBA player is allowed to take six threes a game and only shoot 17% of them. I mean, that's going to tank anybody's numbers. I think there are some bigger picture issues that Jerry mentioned that could be uh, a factor. His weight, maybe he's not as quick. Free throw shooting is also down across the entire NBA. So that's obviously going to hit Fox a little bit too. For me, it's a three-point shooting. He's got to figure out uh, a way to either make those or stop taking them. Jerry, how much do you weigh this as a scheme issue versus a mental thing? Because there's times where I look at Fox and he just doesn't look comfortable or you can tell he's, he's pissed off at himself or there's just something going on there. And I just wonder how much it is that he's just annoyed that he's not making shots versus how much it's a, what they're telling him to do is not something he necessarily wants to do or is comfortable doing. Yeah. I'd like to really uh, know more about that because I, you know, I feel like you do. I, I mean, you don't see a totally engaged Fox uh, in my mind at times, you know, and I mean, and uh, uh, just seems to at times to be kind of what I always say, playing on cruise control. And, uh, you know, as opposed to the, you know, the, the true unbelievable athlete that we've, we have seen. And uh, is it a different role? Well, I guess it is uh, slightly, but uh, he's still probably getting as many field goal attempts or more than anyone on the team in as many minutes. So I don't, I mean, I think if he, if in fact he feels that way, it, it's probably not particularly accurate. I, I think that the coach Walton in particular, I think they've tried to put him in, in every situation, uh, even when he hadn't played well to bring him back to give him a chance to close out games and things like that. So uh, I think to me, it's, it's a, you know, with De'Aaron, obviously, uh, you know, that's part of the, the max contract stuff, you know. I mean, when you get it, you they look at you different. Don't be surprised if they look at you different. You know, it's like, okay, you're a max guy. Play like a max guy. And, and I, I mean, maybe it, it I, I kind of, I kind of agree with, uh, I know Katie has always talked about that, that he, you know, that, that the preseason wasn't maybe long enough. And I think it might've affected him more than others with the, with, uh, you know, with the weight gain and everything that it might actually have a little more impact on him. Uh, but, so I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll know more about this in 10, 10, 12 games. And uh, if he's still playing at this level in 10, 12 games, then uh, be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> I'm curious from a, uh, uh, from a, former coach and GM here, what, what say in 12 or 15 games, if he's still there, is this a thing that you need to adjust the lineup around him as a general manager? Are you starting to think uh, maybe we need to hit the panic button here a little bit? What do you see changes from the organizational standpoint that might be able to uh, alleviate the King's concerns, but not necessarily De'Aaron Fox's concerns? Well, uh, yeah, I think at some point, I mean, it's, it's like, well, if, if in fact this level of play is not, you know, continues and it's not near the level, that you've had in the past, you just like a, you know, it's a exaggerated version of Terrence Davis. I mean, there's, there's a point where you have to change things. You can't just, uh, you can't be the main man if you can't produce like the main man. Uh, I mean, that's not uh, Luke Walton's rules or Monty McNair's rules. That's the NBA's rules. And so, so you know, and everything and probably and everybody wants De'Aaron to be that including his teammates. I mean, I think that's, it's not a case there. Uh, so I think he just got to play through it. I mean, you've seen, and I've seen some awfully good players have some, you know, bad, bad stretches of play. You know, I mean, that's, is the, the, the beauty and the, the ugliness of being an old fart. Uh, I've seen Mitch Richmond have five and six game stretches where he wasn't very good. And uh, Chris Weber, uh, where they were, if you didn't know the, who they were, you would say, Oh my, they're not big time guys, but, uh, so, so, so I think we just want to patience probably is a real virtue in this instance, you know, and, 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 but, but it, it is on Darren. It is on Darren right now. Jerry, I wanted to ask you about Fox's shooting. Cause I had this conversation with someone the other day and my, my kind of opinion was, Hey, someone should maybe tell him to stop taking so many threes. And then they told me, well, Hey, if Fox is ever going to be the player that the Kings need him to be, he needs to figure out this three point shooting thing. So yes, it's ugly now, but you have to let him shoot through it. 
if you're like, how, how would you uh, coach some, a situation like that where it's like, yeah, if he's going to be a, a superstar, a three point shot would be great for him to have, but if it's not going in, it's hurting the team on the games that are happening right now. Well, I, I would probably tell him the same thing that I would have probably told Giannis Adetokounmpo last year, that you, you know, obviously you, you can shoot threes, but you better be very selective in your three-point shooting. Now, in Fox's case, he doesn't have to be as selective as Adetokounmpo, but if, you know, I mean, I, yeah, you want him shooting threes, a guard has to shoot threes, and, and I agree, agree with those people to a fault, but no, uh, he shouldn't have a green light just to launch threes if you're not making them. And that would apply to anybody. Uh, I mean, yeah, you just all I would say is like, hey, uh, Darren, while you're, hey, we, we want you shooting these threes, just just be a little more selective, get your feet set, maybe not shoot any off the dribble, and uh, and really try to try to get into that mid range for the for the little 15, 18, 12, 15, 18 footers more. Uh, and I, if a guy, you know, I've certainly told. Well, guys like Eddie Johnson, the same thing and great shooters. And sometimes great shooters go through bad stretches. Usually it's because they're taking tough shots, you know, tough shots. I mean, you know, and Buddy's the greatest example of that. I've always said when he takes good, open, unforced shots, I mean, he hits a high percentage, but he also takes three or four, just what in the hell are you doing, Buddy shots, <laughs> you know, and, and if you could just get, get those out of the, you know, out of the play, I think it'd, it'd be so much better. And, and so it, it, it's something he's got to work through, but, but, you know, he, he does need to shoot the three, <clears throat> but if you're shooting 20%, you don't need to shoot eight of them. I'm curious, Jerry, what you think um, Tyrese Halberton's role is in this uh, I'm more of a combination here, because we saw Tyrese Halberton has started the season kind of rough at times. He, he doesn't look completely comfortable out there and some of his, uh, in some of his games. And so I wonder if maybe it's this, you know, you know, dual headed snake pulling, pulling the body one way and another, and neither of them quite getting anywhere right now. Or if you think this is completely separate, that these are just two players that are struggling in their roles and they don't really have one to do with the other. I, I mean, I think they, I think it is true. I think they're, they are struggling in their roles a little bit and, and it's not either one's fault. I mean, per se, I mean, it's not because, of Tyrese that that the Aaron struggling or because of Darren and Ty, I, I honestly think and I I'm sure fans will tell me you you finally flipped but I, I just think the fact that Davion's pretty darn good and Buddy needs to play more uh, you know that that there's a little of looking over your shoulder kind of thing going on a little bit and and I mean they you know and I think that's where Luke could help them I mean in other words look look guys you're going to play 32 35 minutes a night. Quit worrying about, it. you know, yeah, you know, yeah, we were, Davion's going to go in there and play. He's going to get minutes because he deserves them. And, and Buddy's going to get minutes because he deserves them. But there's going to be plenty of minutes for you guys, pretty much what you've always had. Just, you know, just the fact we got maybe have more guards doesn't mean you're going to play less. And they haven't. But I do think that's a little of it. I mean, I really do. I mean, it just seems like that, uh, there's a, you know, like, well, I got to go ahead and do something or I'm afraid to do something because I might not be out here. I don't, I don't know. But Tyrese seemed first few games really seemed tentative, you know, turned down some awfully good shots, uh, especially those spot shots, which he is terrific at. And, uh, but I thought against Dallas looked more like himself. And uh, so I, you know, he's too good a player to, to struggle much. It's like at some point though, it's, uh, you know, carry, you got to carry your own water. You know, you're out there 32, 35 minutes, then make shots, take them and make them. It's, it's curious that you bring up uh, the shoulder gazing aspect of that, Jerry, because last year we had um, Jake Fisher on when, when, um, when Buddy Hield was struggling so bad. And he said that he felt like he knew the reason why Buddy Hield was struggling was because he was looking over his shoulder, knowing Tyrus Halberton was playing so well. And so when Fox started the season kind of ugly and Halberton did too, I kind of, I, I had, said this out loud to my significant other at the time i think it's just a reverse i think that now halliburton might be worried that buddy's playing incredibly well and that maybe fox is at the point where he's seeing davion mitchell every day in practice and he's going this guy's busting my butt how long is it going to be before they make a move for somebody else for me or and and so it's I, I wonder that too i wonder how much of this is the confidence that the players have to like the two guys behind them are both incredibly good players 
and and the fear of losing a spot or losing time uh, or or losing your position within the franchise wondered how much that actually mattered to them yeah i think it's a real thing i do i mean the players you know minutes are the most important thing and and guys is really good players can lose confidence surprisingly quickly you know i've always said the the difference between the all-star near all-star as opposed to the greats the true greats they don't lose confidence yeah. you know i mean I'm, they they don't they're they're you, you know there's there's never a question in their minds uh but but i i always say i always just my association with bob mcadoo and stuff you know i mean he could miss 15 shots and he'd say well you know if i had 20 you know, I, I'd have made I'd made the other five, and I'll likely make fifteen or old. You know, yeah. that's what he thought. And well, it, it, truthfully, that's the way he mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> he, I mean, you know, might go two for fifteen one half, and and thirteen for fifteen the second half. You know, but that that's the great ones. Uh, and and right now, I think our guys are a little, you know, they're not great ones, and they're still a little fragile. You know, but in both cases. Yeah, that looking over the shoulder point, I hadn't really thought about it until hearing you guys talk about it. But it is true. I remember in one game this year, I made a note of it. Davion Mitchell was in a lot of those closing minutes instead of Tyrese Halliburton. And last year, it was Halliburton taking those minutes over Buddy Heald. And it, it did hit me even in the moment. Like, huh, it's weird watching the Kings have a closeout lineup when Tyrese Halliburton is not a part of it. And I guess that's the nature of having more competition behind you. And I can totally see how that would uh, maybe uh, impact some of those guys in their minutes if they if they're already seeing that this early in the season hey some of my crunch time minutes are going to Davion or some of my crunch time minutes are going to Buddy um, I guess that is a problem I wonder how Luke Walton will manage it Funny, we're already here so let's talk about it now um, how do you feel like Davion's played in his first uh, his first six NBA games I know he's not shooting the ball well but I I really don't have any complaints I mean his offense was sort of going to be a bonus in year one. And I don't think his offense has been terrible, but I do think his defense has been really good. And I think that's why Luke Walton has trusted him in some of these closing lineups. I think he's averaging like 27 minutes a night to be the, what is it? He's the th- uh, fourth guard in a pretty uh, guard heavy roster. And, he, and he's still averaging 27 minutes. That's a pretty impressive role to carve out for yourself in a rookie year. And I think he's doing it with his defense. And again, despite his offensive numbers, not necessarily being there. Um, I have really no complaints with how he's played so far. Jerry, what about you? What have you seen from Davion? Well, I mean, he he's had an impact for for a rookie. He's had an impact uh, offensively. He's uh, definitely a work in progress, and probably will. You know, is he doesn't make free throws surprisingly very well, and and he's not really going to. And I don't think he's going to finish at the basket well for a while. You know, I mean, he's a small guard. He's going to have to to you know develop the floater and, and a few of those you know Trey Young kind of things if you're going to score at the basket at his size uh, very well, but he can make the three, but, but the, the real thing about him is, uh, you know, it seems to me like uh, what I've viewed is that teams already are basically scouting for him, you know, because when he gets on somebody, he gets on somebody and you're seeing, uh, you know, right away, they want to get him screened off. And uh, you know, he's on a top guy and they know they got to, they got to get screens because they can't lose him otherwise. And so, so I, I think that's pretty uh, a pretty remarkable thing this early into the rookie campaign. And, you know, he's been as impressive as about any rookie not named Scotty Barnes, you know, who's been by far the best rookie <laughs> so far, by far. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. I'm going to take a side note here to say I've been arguing for Scotty Barnes since the second game of his college career, and I got bushwhacked pretty hard for it. That is true. Will. And I got bushwhacked pretty hard. And so to see that is vindicating for me. Well, he I'll tell you, I guarantee you, I mean, I, he's the closest thing to Scotty Pippen I've seen in a long time. I mean, he just he, he's got major star qualities in that guy. It's not to say some of these other guys won't get there or get there differently, but uh, he's, you know, he's probably the best player of Toronto right now. The offensive leap he's been able to make too. I, I think I yeah. wasn't expecting him to score more than eight or 10 points for the first couple of seasons of his career. And he's already sitting at like 18 points and, and it doesn't look like he's just gotten hot. It just looks like he knows how to do it. The game's easy for him. I mean, really, I, I made a point to watch him and, uh, I just, I mean, I, I just think, wow, I'm like you. I, in college, I said, well, is he going to be able to shoot it? 
it'll take him maybe a few years to learn to shoot it. But boy, uh, right now, yeah. so we'll see. Maybe he'll, maybe, <laughs> maybe he won't develop. But he's he's uh, to me, it's just nobody even close to him as, that I've seen. Just to jump back into Davion for a second, I think something that Jerry you pointed out with them game planning for him already. You can tell what uh, you can tell which teams have and which teams haven't. Because I, one thing I was surprised about in the Dallas game is they they ran some action to get Davion on Luka Doncic, and I was like, okay, well let's you know I'm curious about this. Let's see how it goes. And Davion stripped him right away, and it didn't look like it was all that hard for him. Luka's not a small. He's not a thin guy. He's not somebody that's easily no. pushed around. Davion sized them up and just snatched away his candy. Uh, I always, I mean, it was one of those things that for Davion, okay, he, he's going to be able to guard Dame Lillard to some extent. He's going to be able to, to take the contact from Steph Curry when Steph goes up. But the, the fact that he's been able to, we saw it in preseason with Paul George too, that Davion was in lockstep with Paul George and, and scared him out of a shot too. He's able to guard small forwards in a way that I was not expecting at all year one. And that, that's something that's a very, very positive uh, outcome for his rookie season so far. Yeah. He's amazing with his, uh, he's got that low center of gravity and he's so strong. He's so physically strong. And so, you know, guys have a tendency to, as they bigger guys, as they turn, they still turn with the ball to where he can get to it. And uh, yeah, he, well, I, I mean, he's just a marvelous defensive player. There's no doubt about that. And, and he, there's not been a game where he hadn't had an impact defensively, uh, you know, and so that's, that bodes well. I mean, to me, the Kings the last two years have drafted extremely well. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, time will tell whether there's might be somebody went later that could be better and all that sort of thing. But, uh, at the, but what you know is that he's a damn good player and could probably contribute to a winner for a lot of years certainly at some level, whether he can be a starter on the winter, that's yet to be proven. I want to give uh, each of you guys a chance to give uh, Buddy Hield some flowers if you feel like it. I feel like he's shooting well to start the season. I feel like he's finally bought into the fact that he could be a, an elite six-man off the bench for a team. And I was just curious what you guys' thoughts were on this, so far this season and uh, and whether, you not, you th- whether or not you think this makes him – more attractive uh, trade asset or if this is more likely like signing off that like, no, he should probably be in Sacramento for the next couple of years if he can keep going this way. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, buddy's buddy, buddy buckets. I mean, he, he is a shot maker. I mean, he is truly a shot maker. If he could just, just a couple of little flaws. I mean, and and he works hard. He's a tough minded guy, uh, a lot of confidence, you know, just to kind of eliminate the forces you know, the two or three shots that take your breath away the other way, as opposed to the, <laughs> the splash downs and, you know, and his turnovers. I mean, he makes a couple of turnovers every game that, that just are inexcusable. And if he, if he could just eliminate that half of that, uh, the bad shots and the, do, you know, cut that in half and the turnovers in half, uh, he'd be as, you know, he'd be every bit as good as a, Lou Williams in his prime or Jordan Clarkson now. And uh, I think, but so, you know, he's a, I mean, I'd have to think that if, if I'm around the league, you know, I, I can't believe he doesn't have some, some value. I know Lakers would be a lot better off if they had him and had done that deal and what they did do, but, but then I'm happy if it screws up the Lakers, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with it. Yeah, I think Buddy's having a, a good year. And he's been a, a slow starter for a few years now where you've been waiting for that three-point shot to come around. So it's nice that he's started out of the gate shooting 40% on, what, like 10-plus attempts per game. Um, his turnovers are up from last year. I thought he kind of cut down on those Buddy healed moments a lot last year for the better. I think part of that is now he's on a bench unit where he feels like he's the guy, and he is. So he's a little bit, a little bit more freedom to make plays and be a little careless with the ball. And I think you're seeing that. And there was a couple of crunch time moments from buddy that were really ugly. And I think that sometimes uh, gets maybe some fans on him uh, harsher than they should be. Cause I do think overall he's had a good year and the King, like he's been a pretty big part of the, when the Kings have played well this year, it's been a lot of buddy healed making some pretty timely threes um, and him being that weapon off the bench. Uh, if he can, if he's comfortable in that role and it seems like he is for now, 
outside of that conversation about some of the uh, players like Fox and Halliburton looking over their shoulder and how that might impact team chemistry. Um, if, if they can figure that part of it out, then I have no problem with Buddy being here throughout the remainder of his contract. And I'm sure they'll look to trade him because it, it makes sense. He's a big contract that can still match up with other big contracts. And he is about a bit of a surplus for this team. But if he, if he doesn't move on and he stays here and he keeps playing like this, I'm happy with that. Jerry, I'm curious. Um, the Kings have kind of, uh, for as well as they've played, they've also kind of had some some bonehead moments every single game. They haven't been able to string four good quarters together all season, I feel like. Um, and and then again, zooming out into the macro, we're three and three on a really difficult schedule. Do you feel like this style of play that the Kings have been uh, kind of tossing out there every single night, do you feel like it's sustainable? Do you feel like this is the kind of team that could make it to a play-in game or make it to a, an eight seed in the playoffs? Well, I, I do. I, I would like to see him really play even at a faster tempo. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think they've had chances to really push the ball uh, a lot more than they have. And I think they need to do that. Uh, my, my only, I think only criticism that maybe, maybe there's justification and I probably preached on it too much where people are sick of hearing me, but I just wish they had a more structured offense down the stretch yeah. of games. In other words, the game changes, and I think that, you know, you have to change and, and have things you know you can do. You, you know, the, the same, you know, screen roll, draw and kick, uh, you know, that sort of thing, you know, works until it doesn't. And, and I, I mean, I really think that there are opportunities, you know, that, you know, to, like a lot of teams do, will go into this more sets. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, the say we're going to run a stagger double to get Harrison Barnes a shot here. And, uh, you know, we have four or five plays that we really like and we know we can run. And then the last three or four or five minutes, we're going to, when we're in the half court, we're going to get more structured and we're going to get shots for certain people. And then I, I don't see enough of that. I'm not saying they don't do it, but, but I, I don't think it's a concerted effort to say, you know, okay, this now it's crunch time. We we need to play different, a little a little different. Yeah, that um. Well, that reminds me of the uh, the Portland game. Um, no, sorry, not the Portland game. The Phoenix game, where the Kings were in control of that game for the last five or so minutes, and then they went into this like clock bleeding offense, where it was just Fox holding the ball for twenty seconds, and Phoenix got all the way back in that game, and it required like a Harrison Barnes miracle to uh. To, to pull out the win. So I do think that crunch time offense is something that the Kings need to figure out. And I don't know why they don't go to the, what seems to work almost every time the Halliburton Rashawn Holmes pick and roll in some of those moments, instead of just bleed the clock down for 20, 21 seconds every time, and then throw up a prayer or drive into the defense. So I think there are things like that, that I think they, they could and should do better. And hopefully Fox will be willing to give the ball up and, and Walton will feel uh, powerful enough to, to command that from his players and have them listen. I don't know what that dynamic is like. But I think the things that are that is going on wrong with them to me seem fixable in a way that in years past, I, I didn't see the pieces to even make the puzzle work. At least this year, the things that are not going right yet, I do think they have some options to fix it. And it's from players that we expect to be better. So I would say my optimism, I guess, hasn't really waned from training camp in thinking that this team is a very legitimate shot at making that play in. Yeah, I, I'll go back to you know square one we talked about a couple weeks ago. I, I think the talent base on this team is, is the best since Rick Adelman's last year. Uh, with, I mean, I think it's definitely better than Dave Yeager had. Uh, more overall talent, a little deeper talent. So, so there's reasons to have expectations. And I, I, I'm, like I say, I think it's, it, it's really not a major thing. But, but in, in the NBA, it's gonna be, they're going to be close games. And the good teams find a way to win the close games the most, you know, and they, and how do they do it? Well, I always say it's the old Michael Jordan using the ultimate example of, you know, basically the, you know, the triple post offense and all that they used to call it. Well, all that was when it was crunch time was they needed, Michael needed to know where the other four guys were so they wouldn't get in his damn way. You know, <laughs> that was, you know, and then they run a few, few variations out of those sets that's all they did and uh and like you know, as tony said a great example there of the halliburton and holmes thing well okay now all of a sudden late in games we'll do that more 
or maybe maybe we can create a mismatch with Fox and Harrison Barnes on a side screen role, or uh, you know, or or get get Barnes uh, in a post up situation, but really having him step away from the basket for a little catch and shoot that type of thing, since he's the post threat. I mean, there's just to have three or four things you have a reason to believe that your best players have an advantage doing and and make sure you're doing those things (laughs) as opposed to, you know, anyway, that's just, but we'll see. I mean, at least the potential is there and that's what's really important. I mean, if there were, you know, there's situations where, you know, you don't have enough of those kind of guys <laughs> to do it. You have one or two guys. Well, they can, you know, unless they're great, they can take take you out of the game and that thing. And, you know, we, we saw that with uh, Dallas. I mean, Doncic, I didn't think was very good, really, except he was great when he had to be with a, a lucky shot, probably. But that's what he does. He, he, he uh, you know, he's great. uh just when you least expect it, you know, when he, when he's been kind of hobbling around out there. Uh, But uh, that's, you know, but there again, that's, that's the edge. And by the way, and Dallas has no talent, really. That team did not look good. (laughs) That's a very, very, very limited. I mean, that's the thing I like about, honestly, the reason I think the Kings are more have more talent than Dallas you know, they don't have anyone like yeah. Doncic, uh, and they're more talented than Portland. I just don't like the Portland team. I mean, I, I think they're going to find out that Terry Stotts wasn't the problem, but uh, we'll see. I think you're right on that, Jerry. I think that Terry Stotts and Rick Carlisle were the things that stitched those teams together, that the talent was in the coaching more than anything. And you've got, you've got a, a below level replacements and Phillips and kid and, they're going to find out real quick that they're going to miss the coaches that, that they sent elsewhere. Yeah. No, I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand why you do it at a certain point, but uh, you know, the, the Portland thing, I mean, it's like, you know, they say, well, the Blazers underachieved with Stotts. No, they didn't. They overachieved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they didn't overachieve last year, but they've overall, they've overachieved with the love in my opinion, but anyway, so enough of that. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, can you both, uh, overachieve and disappoint at the same time because I feel like there's a lot of people in the Kings fan base that are uh, they're at least uneasy about how the Kings have played so far in that they feel like man if Fox had just hit a couple of more shots or if Halliburton had come on playing like Halliburton last year the Kings could be four and two or they could be five and one even and you know the Kings have played close games pretty much all six of these games and 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 yet you know we have teams like uh the Suns that uh, have struggled out the gate, that the Clippers, the Clippers have won. Uh, I think they've won one game. They're they're one and four right now. These are teams that if the Kings could build an early lead and uh, on some of these guys, if one of these teams struggles, like a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard, that when it came time for the play-in game, a five and one start might just be the difference between making the play-in game and and being the eleven seed on looking in. And so I'm curious because, you know, the Kings are this close, you know, they're a few points uh, one way or a few misses the other way from being five and one or four and two. Is there a, is there a situation, Jerry, where you feel like, you know, the Kings just need this one thing to figure it out? Or is it just a matter of, oh, they just got to kind of sand off the edges and, and keep playing through this? Well, you know, that's a great question. I mean, it is the NBA. So you're, you're, Every team thinks that, you know, at this stage of the year, everyone, <laughs> maybe the, the Pelicans are a couple of, you know, the my thunder, but those teams, but yeah, thunder, but, but other, other than that, I think everybody sees themselves. And I mean, you see the Milwaukee Bucks three and four. I mean, none of the top teams have just jumped out of the box of looking unbeatable uh, Lakers. I mean, so uh, I mean, that, that to me is a positive thing about the Kings. Just like, well, uh, they could play better. They, you know, they, they certainly could play better than they've played, but this is where they are. And that's, that's not too, that's, you know, that's right there with almost the majority of the top teams in the league who everybody thought would be the top team. So uh, yeah, I, you know, you, if I'm as a Kings fan, which I am, I mean, I'm thinking, well, geez, if, if Fox gets back on his game and, 
Albertan gets a little more consistent. This team could be better. And that's right. And they would be right. This team would be better. And certainly, uh, there'd be no reason to be scared of very many teams in the league. They just from a talent that you could go out there every night and think you have a chance. Uh, and, and I, and I, but the other part is I, I understand the fans point of view. It's like, how many times do you, if you get kicked in the balls about 10 straight times, you pretty soon start protecting yeah. your balls, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And exactly. so, I mean, I mean, there's a, a, a little bit of that. We, we've all done that, but I, I just, would take the, the position that this team looks like a pretty damn good team that uh, could become a, a even a better one pretty soon. And, you know, and if they don't, that's on them. And, you know, the, the, they have enough talent to, to win games. I, uh, I, I tend to, uh, to be a bit more on the realistic or pessimistic side of the Sacramento Kings. Um, I've done that way for, uh, I've been that way for a couple of seasons now only because I've run up to the football a few times and had the football pulled away at the last second. (laughs) So anymore I'm walking and I'm walking very slow and I've got a walker with me to make sure I don't slip and fall. But I I do think it's a little early for fans because there, there was, there's been some vitriol thrown on Twitter and even on the Kings Herald about how this season's gone. And somebody who is basically a grump about this team, I do think it's a little early to get grumpy about this team. Uh, They're three and three Fox hasn't played well and they're still three and three. You know, they're still figuring all this stuff out and they're still three and three against some very good teams who, regardless of whether they're trying to figure it out too, they, they had to beat them. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, really, I like I say, I understand the fans because, I mean, if you've been frustrated so much and, and you've had your moments where you look like the team is heading the right direction and something goes wrong, well, well sure, you, you've got to have that in the back of your mind. But I, I would just choose to say, I know what I'm watching. I know what I'm watching right now, and that's all I can go on. I can't go on what I was watching three years ago yeah. or five years ago. I know what I'm seeing today. And uh, so my mom, opposite of Will, the, the glass is always half full with me. I, and, and, and this year, the glass is a little bigger than it has been. It's, always, it's been a little tiny glass of, a few years. So um, just to wrap up here uh, for this section, uh, the Kings, uh, they play uh, the Jazz and Pelicans on a back-to-back uh, starting uh, Tuesday. Uh, then they have the 5-2 and two Hornets, who have been playing great. Then they play uh, Rick Carlisle's uh, Indiana Pacers, who have started the season struggling at 1-6. and six. And then they've got a rematch um, with, the, with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Jerry, is there, is there any cause for you to go, uh, if, they, if they play poorly in this stretch, there needs to be a change, you know, is, is there any, is there any record in which you might think uh, might be time to go call up Daryl Morey? What can we get for Ben Simmons? Or are we, uh, are we needing to wait a little bit longer into the season before we make any big changes? Well, you know, on that, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I just think you have to, you know, take the game in like 10 game sections, so to speak, you know, and, and, uh, you just can't get too far ahead of yourself. As far as the Ben Simmons thing, I, I think in my mind, if there's he's somebody I'm interested in, I'm going to be interested in. I don't really, you know, the record of the current team had really would have nothing to do with it in my mind. If I if I thought one guy was was better than somebody else, so, you know, I mean, so so that's that. I mean, I uh, I think you're always looking to improve your team, and I'm sure Monty is is doing that. Uh, you know, if he can find a you know, find a way to do it. But then again, so, you know, you'd have to probably have things, you know, I mean, I, I talk getting goofy here, but clearly they got a need for another big wing. Uh, now, you know, probably Mo Harkless probably isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about that, but uh, how are you going to get that? And, and you know, and what are you willing to give up? Well, I don't know who's available. Well, of course, I, I've said the only thing I'd, I'd done, I'd have been trying to get Miles Bridges, as you guys know, for, for, for a year and a half now. Because <laughs> you've been preaching for years. And now he's yeah. too damn good, and, you know, too damn good now. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I, I think if I'm, if I'm Luke and I'm Monty, I, I really try to, you know, let's just sharpen the tools here a little bit, uh, see, see if we can't win a few more games and stay at the 10, 12 game if we're still around 500 a little above. Well, uh, why can't we just keep doing this? I mean, there's no, 
I don't see a super team in this league this year. I guess that's what I'm seeing. You know, Brooklyn doesn't show it. Milwaukee doesn't show it. The Lakers don't show it. Uh, Denver, Phoenix, they don't show it. Atlanta's struggled out of the box. I mean, Miami's had some moments. Uh, and you see some. So who, who are you scared of? Why is it you think you couldn't be a top eight in the West? I guess that would be, I mean, until, until you know you can't be, why don't you think you can be? Positive final words from Jerry Reynolds. I appreciate that. All right, Tony, give us your thoughts on this uh, on this next stretch of games. I think it's uh, it's time for the the guys we expected to have big years to step up because I don't think I mean we talked about Harrison Barnes at, at the beginning of the show and while I do think him being a very very good player is sustainable he's not going to shoot fifty seven percent from three over what, ten shots you know you're not going to get. 70% shooting. Well, you might get 70% shooting from a shot Holmes. You might actually be able to do that because um, he only takes good shots, but you're going to need Fox and Halliburton and to an extent, buddy and Davion Mitchell to step up a little bit more. The, the positive is that the Kings have dug themselves into some very deep holes in previous seasons. And they've either had uh, no good players when a guy like Fox wasn't playing well to pull them out of it and like hold things together while Fox was slumping and they fell too far out of the playoff race, at least in this instance, it's very early, but you've had players step up and sort of carry the load while Fox is slumping to keep this team interesting. And in the mix, you know, they could ease, if they didn't have Harrison Barnes, they could be one and five right now, but they're three and three through almost no thanks to guys like Fox and Halliburton. So those guys have carried you through this little slump. And now will, as you say, the schedule, it, it keeps getting tougher and, and you can't expect those guys to carry forever. So at some point it's going to be on Fox and Halliburton to pick up the torch because we expect Harrison Barnes to slump, but we also expect guys like Fox and Halliburton to play better and reach their career averages to some degree too. So I expect those guys to start playing better and hopefully um, they can at least remain. I mean, if, I think 500 is a great goal for them throughout this tough, rough early season schedule to expect them to be, like a top six Western conference team is completely unrealistic. Just stay in the mix. Uh, like Jerry said, there's no other team separating themselves. So, and they have the talent to do it. So it's on to me, it's just, it's all on Fox and Halliburton to show that they can carry it from here. I mean, good job, Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes so far, but they can't do it forever. Well, you know, just one last thing. And I, I like your guys thoughts on this. I, I've, I've never quite understood, or, or maybe it's just, maybe I'm goofy. I'd like for you guys to get your thoughts, but why doesn't his team try to really actually run some plays to get Rashawn Holmes more actual shots? You know, the 12, they never, 12, do, it. They never do it. And I mean, the guy is automatic with that little push shot. Easiest, easiest shots to get are, are screen downs on centers and bring them away from the basket. You know, I mean, but you know, the other centers, there's a rule among centers is we don't go out and try to guard him by on the floor. Uh, but I mean, he, uh, I just think that it would be such a, 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 a boost to the offense to, to get him two or three extra shots at 15, 16 feet, which you know he's going to make a high percentage. And if it's not an open shot, he won't take it. It would just be, you know, that anyway, I just see what you, if you think that's crazy or not. He definitely deserves them. I mean, few players are like, legitimately earn more shots because they all kind of take what they want anyways but Rashawn Holmes never takes a bad shot I haven't seen him take a bad shot in like three years I, I maybe maybe a handful of them he's even hit two threes this year which is which is kind of nuts <laughs> but yeah I'm all for like again the Halliburton Holmes pick and roll into games I'm totally before more more looks for Rashawn Holmes yeah and you could do the uh, pick and pop with Rashawn see you've never seen that you've never seen that and I mean it'd be so easy for you know especially with Fox or or uh, Halliburton or David you know you know, they turn the corner and, and Rashawn just slides out there at about 17 feet, little dish. And thank you very much. Is this just a matter of, and, and I'll, and I'll try to, we, we, we've ended this on a fairly positive note, so I'm not going to go back to my natural state of negativity here, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was going to mention the coaching. Is there, is it just a matter of maybe a coach doesn't prefer a particular type of play? He just doesn't like it you know, in front of him. So he just doesn't run it or, or, or in your opinion, what do you think it is? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, probably he's no different than most of us, you know, that, that with Rashawn, it just, you know, maybe it takes, you know, he has to keep proving himself over and over and over. And now it's, it's past that point. You know, in other words, I, I mean, I'd have to think that they're seeing the same things and, but, but it's a case where probably, 
you know, it, it's one of those things where you could have done this sooner, but, but I think we were all in the same boat. It's like, well, Rashawn, you know, Hey, you know, he, he'll go out there and hustle and scrap and get his 12, 14 points without, you know, going to him. Uh, well, that's true. So, but Hey, maybe if we go to him, he can get 16 or 17 <laughs> a little bit without, uh, without any extra duress on anybody. And, you know, his teammates would probably like to, to see him do that. And, uh, Oh, anyway. Yeah. But I, I think if, with coaches, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I think probably with Luke, he's probably more worried about other guys and I understand that, but, but that's, uh, that's the type of thing probably as you go through, you start looking at who's productive and where and how can we make ourselves better? That's how you do it. He certainly earned it. I'll give him that much. All right, Tony, let's go to our, uh, our Patreon question of the day, sir. Sure. This question comes from LL Cool Ray on Twitter, one of a, a real Kings Twitter MVP, in my opinion. So shout out to, shout out to Ray. Um, Ray asks, Jerry, I'm interested to get Jerry's take on playing three guards at almost all times with what we've seen so far. Obviously, a couple of players have struggled individually, but does he see anything to be concerned about that lineup yet? Could that be contributing sort of to, to the struggles we've seen is, is the, the fact that they're all kind of playing together? You know, I don't. I, I think... Uh... I mean, I think this team could play three guards yeah. a lot. And, and, you know, mainly because Harrison's so good, he could play, play four. And, and, and the way he's rebounding, which was a concern of mine, but he's rebounding so well that I, I don't know that maybe they shouldn't even do it more than they're doing it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it may be a little bit, you know, we, I think we talked about it. I mean, in a sense that, that there's no reason that that can't work very well. It's just a, the reason it hasn't. De'Aaron hasn't been himself, and uh, Tyrese has probably been a little bit tentative. But I, I don't believe that'll last. I think they're they're way they're too talented to continue to play like that. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get to playing at the level we know they can. Then that'd be a pretty pretty good lineup. Awfully tough to defend. I always said the only thing I'd concern about is rebounding. And uh, but uh, so far, I don't think that's been a major problem. Jerry, what are your opinions on the four guard lineup that they've tried to run out there once in a while? Shoot, I I mean, I think in today's game you you can do that. I think you could play four guards and Harrison at center, for that matter, or 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 Rashawn. I think you could do that uh, because it's just about matchups, and at some point uh, the matchups, and especially if you're shooting, both teams are shooting a lot of threes because it's long rebounds. You know, it's long rebounds, and, and so it's reaction rebounds. It's not box out rebounds or long rebounds. So, so you could do that, and I mean, you're going to see the Warriors do it a lot. <laughs> you know, and they're they're winning ball games, and so I think it's a it's something I don't see it as a 35 minute strategy. I honestly think almost you have to play three guards probably a lot of minutes in today's game just because of everybody's doing it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, you know, basically a normal front line and two guards. I mean, that's, that's pretty much gone. I think. Jerry, let's roll over to you for uh, our rental wrap up. What do you got for us this week? Well, I, I was just thinking, you know, just, I love reading uh, King's Herald and, and not just you guys that write, but the comments, I, I just go through everything. I just really enjoy them. And I, we've talked about a little bit, but I, I, I think the only thing I would say, and, and I don't want to be, and I want to kind of be like Rob Hessing. I don't want to try to tell him by how to be the fan, be the, the fandom. I mean, you should be able to fan however you want to fan, but, I, but I think it'd be a lot, make a lot more sense early on here, just to, just to set back. And if you're a Kings fan to say, let's see where this thing goes. It, it seems to be heading the right direction because I, I you know, middle of the year, we're, we can all just pout together. Oh, we will. Yeah. We can just, you know, I'm really capable of that. I can just be a little, yeah, we'll, we'll just pout and rip and tear on everybody and blame everybody but ourselves. But, but I just don't think it's not, it's there yet. I think this team, if anything is, has did more than we should have expected. And, and we can see where they could be so much better. And so I, that's all, I mean, you know, you can take it for what's worth, but I always say it, the one reason to be a fan of anything is, is to entertainment, you know, entertainment. It's a friggin' game. And uh, 
I, I'm a Kings fan. I wanted to win, but you know, the truth is I love basketball more than I love the Kings. I love the game and I enjoy the game and, uh, and I enjoy it more if the Kings happen to be good, but even if they're not, I'm still going to enjoy the game because I like good basketball. So anyway, that's it. Take it or leave it. Well, two weeks in. Go to hell. <laughs> Two weeks in, we're staying positive here on the uh, the Kings Herald show, which which uh, might surprise some of our listeners, and uh, it might not for others. But uh, for everyone uh, who uh, who tuned in this week, I want to to thank you for uh, for another episode that we get to do this. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, talk with Jerry and Tony. And one of these days, we're just going to go off the rails, and I'm going to talk about Alper and Shangun for. 40 minutes and let Jerry talk about whoever he wants to talk about. We'll just stop talking Kings basketball, <laughs> but until then, until then, <laughs> until then, yeah, maybe by March. Yeah. Yeah. March. Yeah. yeah. Right around the, right around a five game losing streak. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll get an episode in there where we just talk about anything other than the Kings. But until then, uh, we, we appreciate you making us your home for, uh, for Kings talk. And, uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of the Kings. Barbershop.